Hello and welcome to the weekend update. I am your host Christopher Gallagher and it's a frosty 2nd of December as we look ahead to the weekend. Christopher Gallagher, as mentioned, I'm joined this week by uh, a lunch club uh, panellist. Uh, I believe this is his first time on the weekend update. It's Colin Kearney. Hello, Colin. Hello. Yes, it is my first weekend update. I'm looking forward to updating the weekend. Good. You've you've taken the title. You've switched it around. Yeah, I'm clever like that. That's why you <laughs> pay me the big bucks. Eh? Very, very clever. Um, it's Colin Kearney's birthday today. Happy birthday, Colin. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, it's nice to have it feeling slightly cold because um, that's, you know, when you really enjoy your birthday, when you're a wee guy. And it's the little things that you remember. So it feels like being a wee guy. And I was st- I was out at my folks last night. We stayed over and uh, woke up and I was like, yeah, this feels like birthdays of your. Love it. So very nice. Uh, can I ask how old you are? Is that, is that rude? I don't know. Yeah, I'm 46 today. You cannot, officially you cannot play uh, for Celtic. You are too old. So, um, well, I think there'll be, you know, you know, when sort of laws get made about one you know, when something happens the news and it's like Jenny's law, there'll be <laughs> Kearney's law uh, because I'm so, so talented that they'll just change the rules so I can play for them. So don't don't smash my dreams. I have to say, Colin, uh, we, we played uh, five sides a couple of weeks ago and um, uh, you're quite good. And it, oh, it, it's like when I say quite good, what I mean is like you're, you're a good footballer. And um, <laughs> I I wasn't expecting that. So it's it's. Um, well, I think fitness levels aside, uh, <laughs> I was surprised myself. Um, but it's quite it's quite funny because I don't because I'm a sort of like an indie lay about uh, that like likes music and shitty craft beer and all this <laughs> and the kind of jobs I've had. People just assume that I'm going to be like, whoa, yeah, 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 I can, I can kick a ball in the right direction. Yeah, quite hard, quite aggressive, which I like. Okay. (laughs) Good. It's good to hear. I'll leave out on on the pitch, as they say, you know, I don't shout at people though. I'm not, I'm not like aggressive like that. Yeah. I hate, I hate people that take fives too seriously and going for absolute horrible hospital balls and yeah, that, I'm sure we've all we've all your leg. We've all got stories. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, no, happy birthday, Colin, uh, from uh, so for everyone. It's really, really good. Um, I just wanted to say, just this is nothing to do, nothing ap- apropos of nothing. But uh, myself and Claire are taking our young nephew Dexter, who has just turned five. Well, just turned five. Turned five in the summer. Um, to the Queen's Park game. Tomorrow, um, oh. Queen's Park versus Hamilton at uh, the um, Lesser Hamden. And the reason we're doing it is because uh, Queen's Park gave the school a big bunch of tickets. And uh, one of the um, Catholic primary schools on, in Rutherglen, I won't name it. But um, yeah, it was just Queen's Park really, you know, after the, the other day, it was the kind of um, anniversary of the first international football game between you know Scotland and England and you know a lot of those players are Queen's Park and it's just nice to see community action happening um so yeah so so I just thought that was nice to highlight when a wee football club I see wee football club that hopefully they'll get promotion um but yeah they're doing they're doing really well aren't they yeah, yeah. they're a real well-run club yeah really well come director of football own coils the manager they've their recruitment's been really good uh 
yeah, so I just thought I'd, I'd highlight um, when, you know, we're, we're quite down sometimes in Scottish Football Club, so it's good to highlight the positives. Anyway, um, Colin, how are you in general? How's things? I'm well, uh, yeah, just um, chucking along. I, I don't want to go back to being, but it is my birthday, and every year I always feel a bit, uh, I'm not like super jazzed on getting older. <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody is. So, I, and also, I like to get away out of Glasgow so I don't have to do any sort of, because um, I don't know, I always feel a bit weird when people are like, oh, let's have some pints in the pub and yep. your birthday. And I just sit there awkwardly going, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, um, so uh, yeah, being in Glasgow, but um, uh, it's an unusual thing for me at this time of year. But uh, yeah, just been, I've, I've, re- I've really got very little chat, I feel. Uh, I've just been working away. Um, I do furniture restoration, for those that don't know. Um, so I've done a couple of interesting wee jobs recently. I've got a few more trickling in. going to do some French polishing soon, which is my favourite, uh, one of my favourite disciplines. Um, and it's great as well because you can make it sound really, really... Um, uh, research really esoteric um but it's you know people are like ooh french polishing so yeah it's a dark art you're saying words i don't understand and i've never exactly. heard before so yeah so very fancy <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to veil it in such secrecy that i, I can charge astronomical fees uh, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant stuff uh, yeah we had one we've got one of your pieces in our living room and uh, fantastic and where would we find out about your your work is there any link well I, I i'm still kind of working on uh, taking the plunge into I've got a wee business plan uh, detailed out with all the rest of it. I'm going to roll it out in the new year. The new year is going to be uh, the the name of the company is Indoor Living, and uh, but I've just been doing it sort of kind of on the on the sort of a wee side hustle, and it's just now turning into more of a sort of professional thing. So, but uh, yeah, I just do it through my Instagram, which is Jotland Songs, which is the name of my band, confusingly, and I've really made a big mess of it. So, <laughs> so I'm going to um, sort all that out. 2023, there's going to be a lot of work done. Oh, it's got a lot of heavy heavy lifting to this 2023. Great stuff. Uh, we'll keep you. Uh, we'll keep everyone informed because you do fantastic work. Right, let's focus on some uh, Celtic uh, stuff. Opening question. Um, and this is all based off everything that's happened this week. Um, so the opening question is... Is it the right time to sell Georgius Jakamakis? So I want to give some context. I'm sure everyone knows, but we'll give some context for those that maybe don't. Um, it was reported in a number of tabloids that Georgius Jakamakis uh, has been rejected a new contract uh, at Celtic. The Scottish champions have been unable to reach an agreement over an improved contract with the striker. Talks have been ongoing, but unless there is a significant change of heart on either side, then a suitable compromise is unlikely to be reached. Uh, apparently, there's lots of clubs looking at them. We had some noise of that in the summer. We have him under contract till 2026. Um, apparently, he's unhappy. A new deal can't be agreed. He agreed to drop wages significantly to make the move from VVV Venlo last year. But it was on the understanding that terms would be improved if he had a successful season in Scottish football. Well, that sounds very Pierre van Hooydonk. Uh, <laughs> 25 goals in 41 games for Celtic uh, in just 23 starts. Um, he is a guy that splits opinion. Um, I think I, he's a very interesting character. Let me ask you this, Colin. Is it the right time to sell Giacomacchus? Thoughts? Yes. And no. I mean, it, there, <laughs> there's kind of... 
there's little tells in that um you know he would re- you know rejected it's a very sort of strong word and yeah it doesn't it doesn't sound like had my you know it's not like he had a minor quibble he's just blown out of the water it's not going to happen and i think there was a bit of foreshadowing um in angie's comments uh a month or so ago about you know some of your favorite players might be going <laughs> so this feels like maybe this has been rumbling on in the background and with the chat about Choi Gusung, you know, uh, obviously, I mean, we're a, the, the thing that's, that I'm a bit nervous about is we're quite light on strikers as it is. And even if you count Maeda as a, as a sort of out and out striker rather than a, a winger, which we tend to use him as, uh, he's going to be tied up for a little bit longer than we maybe anticipated. Yeah. Um, and who knows how far that will go. So it's a bit concerning just because if, you know, like Kyogo does have the, the occasional injury, uh, and then what are we left with, you know? So we need to sort of, but I presume that if we're to believe the manager, everything's been planned out, there's contingencies. So, uh, I think his stock is high. So that's a good, maybe a good thing to sort of consider. It would be, Good to get somebody that maybe is better at football than Gigi, or sorry, fits into the system uh, <laughs> better. No, but I mean, it, it, I think we all kind of accept that he's a, he can he can bang in the goals, and that's why we love him. Um, but he's maybe not the most his contribution elsewhere in the pitch is maybe not what it could be. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, we we talk about him as being a specialist. Like um, mm. people use phrases like specialist. Um, because I think they're too people don't want to criticize a guy who's scoring goals, but he yeah. is a specialist in the six yard box in the area. But we need a little bit more than that. This is just my point of view. I think we need a little bit more than that from a striker. Absolutely, and I I kind of feel that Yakimakis his stock is is almost artificially high because we've got such a a, a dodgy history of of buying strikers that don't do what they're meant to do yeah um so uh but i think yeah we need to also he if he's if he wants to go i think this is the a, a general thing we have to get in our heads people that don't want to be there are not going to do what they you you want them to um but i don't know maybe he uh maybe we can do it in a way where he stays to the end of uh, the season helps us win another title. His stock goes further up. His price goes up. But I think if his heart's not in it, I would rather he went. But maybe summer. But we'll see what happens. I guess. Yeah, I think the thing with Gigi is um, he's incredibly confident in his own abilities, uh-huh. which, which I like. Big fan of that. I would I would never knock a player for that. Um, and as we said, you know, twenty five goals in forty one games is an excellent return. Um, but. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. He's a guy who I think would, you know, the old adage of you know knocking the the man knocking the manager's door and asking why you're not starting sort of thing. Um, I think he probably would be in that kind of trajectory of wanting to make it clear that he wants to be number one. Um, and I don't think he ever will be um, in Ange's team. Here's uh, some of the comments that you mentioned there. Um, that Ange made last month at the AGM. There is no point in me having a vision and being out of step with the business perspective. We try to fit the business model around that. We have to understand that to be a Champions League club, club, the ones we can compare ourselves with, the ones we we may 
are the ones that make an impact and are there constantly. Then, once they are, they look to continually grow in the football aspect within resources and finances. We need to be aggressive in our approach, but within the financial constraints of a club like ours. Aggressive in the transfer market. It could be unsettling with players in and out quickly, but if you look at the models of clubs like our size, they're very agile. Every couple of years, they regenerate and move players out at the right time with improved players in. We need to push aggressively over the next two years to three years, first qualifying and then making an impact. We will need to move players around to make gains. We have to maximise our squad to the greatest revenue for the club. I'm comfortable with that. It will be unsettling for you guys. You're the favourite players, but we need to be wise. Um, it really isn't, you know, we talk about, obviously football's changing all the time and, you know, models are changing and everything Ange said there really is something that we really aren't used to. When players sign for Celtic, you usually get two years, three years out of them, um, maybe four years. But, you know, selling Gigi... What eighteen months after we've signed him, it it would be quite the statement, don't you think? Yes, but I I think it's if you look at what's the glue and a and a his plan for the team, uh, it's not going to be a five year project. It's going to be he wants to improve every single game, every after match interview. He's talking about getting better and getting there. And it's, this is not somebody that's saying, let's just play the long game. Let's wait. Let's see how it all pans out. He wants results and he wants he wants performances constantly improving. And if a cog in the wheel isn't working to his liking, then um, despite that there might be positives and advantages, uh, move them on. And uh, it's not necessarily they're not good football players are desirable for certain teams. Um, and I think we he, he when he came in, he was working a lot with what was already there, and then making some canny buys at reasonable prices. And as you mentioned earlier, Yakimakis took a, a sort of pay cut to sort of get along and and maybe sort of uh, develop his career through Celtic. So um, I think it's it's a, an agile model. Um, and I think as well, like in a, in a very, we live in sort of uh, very fast times. Where I was talking to my parents about they they were talking about how different things were, and even from my time, how different things are now, and how intrusive everything is, and there's so much information all the time. Yeah, you make you make pods that go out every day, and I I listen to them all, and it's just like there's so much information, and we chew over everything. It's so granular. So I think we um it's kind of exciting that Celtics getting with a modern the modern ways of football and um we're always hungry for success and I think this could be a good way of getting that success. Yes, absolutely. Um couldn't agree more. Um what I'd ask you Colin is what would you be looking for uh f- from a point of view of transfer fee? He's under contract till 2026. So there's plenty of uh, kind of weight on our side. He's 27. He's scoring uh, regularly for Greece. When I know it's only friendlies and stuff. Or not, it was Nations League. Um, so I mean, he scored for Greece. He's he's broken into the international team, scoring in the Champions League. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, 25 goals in 41 games for Celtic. What would you be looking for? What do you think a fair price for for that sort of um, profile is? I mean, I saw some. I think people were kind of lowballing 
uh, is worth a bit. I think I've seen five, six million sort of quoted. Um, and I find it hard to get my head around when, when we talk about uh, like what's Bellingham being quoted as being worth like hundreds, hundreds and yeah. hundreds of millions. Um, I mean, yeah, so I would like to see, you know, 10 million at least. I don't yeah. know. Do you know, it's funny because um, the, the transfer committee drops on Sunday and they have a kind of discussion about Gigi and Christian. I'd take five million quid for him. And, I, you know, I, I get what Christian is saying in regards to, like, there are some players that play for Celtic that can do the same thing, but do it very differently. So, for example, Dembele and Lee Griffiths, perfect example of guys who scored lots of goals for Celtic. Now, mm. there was always these discussions about who's the better player. I mean, it wasn't even a competition, really. Yeah. But, you know, you can score 25 goals for Celtic, for Celtic or 25 goals in 41 games. You can you can do that and you can be Moussa Dembele and you can be Jack Amakis. Uh, both great players, both good players in their own right but both with very, very different ceilings. Um, I personally, I'm like you, Colin, I would say, well, we want £10 million for a player that we've got under contract that scores these goals. You what you want mm-hmm. You want him? We'll take him. Do I think he's worth £10 million? Quid? Absolutely not. There's a very <laughs> there's a very good chance that Giacomacchus, the next club that Giacomacchus goes to, he doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for him. He plays at Celtic, who are always on the front foot, who are creating chance after chance after chance. You could talk it turn around and you could say the VVV Venlo got relegated. They were a, a very different proposition. He had never scored a lot of goals. Um, he scored a lot of penalties with them as well. So I, I think there's a there's a risk for the buyer more than the seller. I think Celtic will just be like, you know, seven, eight, seven to ten million quid. That's mm. well, I think it's again it's horses for courses. If you have the right playing style, he's possibly ideal for yeah, a certain yeah. playing style. And and so I think it's a, a limited pool of suitors that we could have for him. But the same by the same token, I think he'd be worth his weight in gold in a in a team like that. And uh I, I, I just find transfer it's such a odd thing for my head to, head to get around because there's some people and I, I guess emotion and sort of sentimentality comes into these things yeah but as you say like 20, if he's contracted to 2026 if somebody wants him and he wants to go uh we still need we need a bit of extra recompense because he has been doing a job for us and he is good for us and uh so yeah i think let's let, let's not let's not um get gazumped on Yakamakis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, zumping. Yeah, it's the thing is though. Also, you're only worth what people are willing to pay for you as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Gigi. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, we've been linked with South Koreans World Cup striker and hero, Chugun Sung, um, who looks an absolute player. There's unfortunately seems to be links with Prussia Dortmund. Um, so, I mean, it's the young man, he's 24 years old. He's been playing uh, for uh, Hyundai Motors, uh, Junbuk Hyundai Motors. He's He looks a real talent. What's your kind of thoughts on him? Does he tick your... Because is he the sort of profile you'd look at and you say, that's who I want to bring in? Or is he a guy that you'd be like, oh, he's got elements, but I'd like X or Y? Well, I think I'm already... 
not get, <laughs> I don't even want to develop any feelings towards this guy because <laughs> we are not going to get him. Borussia Dortmund, I mean, and if they sell Bellingham, yeah. like you can kiss that goodbye, even if we got our 10 million for GG, which we won't. But um, yeah, I, do, I don't know too much about him. I had a little look and uh, I think it seems there's an obvious reason why he's on the radar. Um, but I just, yeah, I just don't want to get any kind of attachment or hopes up for this guy. Do, to be it, honest, does he look like a player you'd you'd be very interested in for Celtic? Yeah, I think I think so. I think as you were saying, uh, uh, with the amount of chances that we create, um, and it seems like somebody that can convert. Um, like looked at the sort of the the stats uh, um, card too closely, but he seems to be uh, a converter of chances. And if we could get somebody of that stature, um, it's a because we, you know, obviously with Kyogo and Yakamakis, and you say, you know, like a lot of, uh, there's a lot of misses and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of chance creation and the the conversion rate isn't great. So if we can get somebody else who's a bit more, a bit sharper, and as we always say, clinical, um, and it seems on first glance, this guy's got something. Yeah, um, the transfer committee, as I say, it's dropping on Sunday, and they go into detail uh, about uh, him as a striker and the the markets and stuff. It's I was I produced it last night. It's very very interesting. Uh, it's Christian, Kieran Devlin, and uh, Graham, and Kieran gives some insight into his time uh, dealing with Celtic at the Athletic. So it's very very interesting. Um, yeah, great stuff. Oscar Gluka or Gluk. Um, He's a Maccabi Tel Aviv young man. He's a hot prospect. He is 18 years old um, and he's been basically, Celtic have been scouting him for a while. Apparently 25 clubs from across Europe have been scouting him. Uh, there's numbers of 6 million quid. Are we going to pay 6 million quid for an 18 year old, uh, Colin? I, that's what I've got in my notes. Expensive for an 18 year old. Yeah. Um, we will occasionally pay that kind of money, but I think this is even for our young squad that we've got, and we've paid some sort of you know six million or whatever uh, for like CCV and Jota thereabouts. Um, I I can't see it. I think it's a wee bit too much of a gamble, and it's too heavy a price tag, and I don't think that's that fits into the agile model that we've been talking about. I think that we're 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 still going to be sort of looking for youthful prospects at a reasonable price i think that sounds like somebody that's you know if you're paying that kind of money you want instant returns and you want a bit of guarantee and i don't think you can you can take that from somebody that's been in playing in israel at 18 years old yeah i mean i think that you know i i completely agree with you i think if he was 20 21 and he had him this is the funny thing if he'd had a little bit of experience outside of israel um you'd maybe go well but in that set of circumstances he's probably out of our price price range anyway so it's not a market i think we can probably 80 million quid sorry 6 million quid for an 18 year old is a lot um i I just saw fabrizio romano tweeted literally minutes ago manchester city have agreed to sign under 15 sheffield united top talent kylan mid midway midwood they've beaten chelsea liverpool leeds and newcastle to the signing city want to develop and sign the best young british talent and offer pathways to the first team under 15 yeah, it's it's 
bananas and it's just uh, when you've got infinite cash you know you can you can afford to do these things and that's what i was going to say about uh gluck um is that if you've got 25 teams scouting them you can bet your bottom dollar there'll be a lot of these like pocketless clubs just who will just be glad to take a punt yeah um so i mean under 15 i mean you, you I know, I know you're you're on rails uh, at football, uh, and you kind of know that people have got talent. I mean, if you look at Doak, uh, who's already got into this first team at Liverpool, so you could say there are precedents for knowing that somebody is going to produce. But uh, imagine the the psyche of somebody that young getting thrown into that kind of melting pot and that kind of lifestyle. The, the people that we surrounding them. Um I think the resilience required to perform. I mean you could have all the talent in the world, but I would I I, I just think it's so difficult to deal with everything else around it. Yeah. Um and uh, I think it's potentially very harmful to to young players and young people because as as we know, like um a lot of families put a huge amount of effort and money and time into kid, their kids if they're playing football and uh, and but football doesn't care and if it doesn't work out it just gets spat out and uh, yeah I always feel a wee bit funny about these things to be honest uh, it feels almost like exploitative you know in the same way that you know if you if you put it in the, the like the fashion industry for example. We have uh, Kate Moss at fourteen crying in between photo sessions for you know like because she's been asked to pose nude with an adult man, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you have people who are getting paid um, thousands, like tens of thousands for a day rate, and at such an age, and you're just like, oh, I've got all the money in the world, I'm just gonna go. And Loads of cocaine and make lots of bad decisions, yeah. And it does happen. I'm not, you know, this is this, this is stuff that people talk about, and it comes out eventually. And I just don't really see the difference just because it's football. I think we have to really protect people, and it needs. And I'm not saying that Manchester City haven't got um, provisos and built-in systems, but I'm generally quite cynical when it comes to big money-making machines. Yeah, with, the, with taking care of their people. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day about, you know, Celtic and the, you know, losing, in inverted commas, losing talent. Uh, you know, so you mentioned Ben Doak, who obviously can only sign a professional contract at 16. So we had him up until it was time that he wanted to sign a professional contract, goes down to Liverpool, signs with them. You know, Morrison going to Bayern and stuff like that. And then I was thinking about guys like, um, Karamoko Dembele. Like, he came through our system, and I know he had an injury. Um, and you know, good luck to the young man in in his new kind of club and stuff. But like, he just never—he was a wonder. He was a wunderkind. He was like the guy who was like, you know, he's going to be at his age. He's destroying all kind of records and all that. And you know, Scotland wanted him, and England wanted him, and you know, his, his parents uh, where he was born wanted him. I think it was uh, an African club, of course. Um, and it was very much this guy is going to be incredible. And he just kind of petered out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like that. My, my, I'm, what I'm trying, to, and Islam Farouz is another one. What I'm trying to say is, when you get these guys and they're wonder kids at 15, 16, it doesn't necessarily always translate, and we sometimes forget that. Like all those guys that we've mentioned, you know, Ben Doak's probably an ex- exception because he looks exceptionally good. But you know, I remember Celtic signing Mark Fotheringham from. You know, we got him. He, he chose Celtic over Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, everybody. Never made, he made one first team match game. You know, he had a good career outside of it. And now he's a manager, but you know, in in terms of what potential is, unless it's fulfilled, you know. Uh, and going back to Dembele, he was, uh, and that kind of harken back to what I was just talking about. Um, when somebody is brought into your football team, you're going to start treating them in the same way that you'll treat any other player. And Dembele was a very, very young guy who, if, uh, towards the end of his tenure at Celtic, but people were like, oh, he's got an attitude problem and he's really, you know, is this, that and the other. And he's like, he's a kid, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, I think sometimes we're just setting them up to fail with this kind of amount of exposure. Um, there's got to be a sort of, there's got to be a happy middle ground. Yeah, there really does. And I, I, I often wonder... You know, again, how do you re- how do you rebuild that? And I think you know, I, I spoke to uh, tomorrow. We're dropping a podcast, a one on one podcast, and it's with um, uh, Jonathan Burns, uh, coach. He's coaching in America, um, and obviously his, his his dad being Tommy Burns and stuff. He, he's got a lot of insight into football. Um, and I was asking him about you know Celtic and Celtic fans' expectations of young players, and I asked him, "Is it too high?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely." Absolutely, it's too high. Mm. And then we had a discussion about that idea of... Because Alan always talks about, you know, wingers and stuff. The expectation on attacking players at Celtic is monumental. You know, you look at look at how people react to Mikey Johnson. Look how they reacted to Karamoko Dembele. Look how they react to James Forrest. You know, James Forrest fundamentally could leave Celtic as the most decorated player ever. And people will just be like, Bye! Yeah, and we're like, meh, meh, James Forrest, <laughs> meh. What did he really do, though? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, so he went to Nando's. <laughs> exactly, did you fancy it, fancy it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- this this is great chat, and I think we'll, we'll definitely come back to this because I think we need to how maybe an maybe a series on how to rebuild Celtic's youth academy might be something we can do. In the, looking forward, um, talking to Celtic's youth academy, Callum McGregor. A fantastic product of Celtics Youth Academy. Apparently, uh, Callum is on track. Um, he's looking ready to return to first team action ahead of uh, the Premiership restart later this month. Um, we've got some friendlies in Portugal. Um, what the one certainly against Rennes that he looks like he's going to take place. Um, how important is it to get Callum McGregor back, firing and fit for? Would you obviously be aiming to have him back for that game at Ibrox? Uh Absolutely, and I mean, I think we're going to come to some questions about how we're going to perform going forward. Uh, so I won't kind of go both puts in on this, but I think he is key to us going into the second half of the season and being successful in it. Do you think people have underestimated uh, his loss? Maybe not taken into consideration because I, I might be guilty of that a little bit. You know, we were. This squad of players, I think, uh, we sometimes count on them, or our expectations of them are so high that we often think, you're only missing one player. 
but in reality, he's probably the beaten heart of the team. Um, I, th- I think we can be guilty of that. And But I think w- with last season, when he initially went out with his eye uh, injury, and I remember the relief of him returning and I'm just thinking just, you know, how incredible it was. Like, he returned so quickly. Uh, and I think that we all kind of slept a bit easier yeah. with the man in the mask being there. <laughs> so, um, I mean, but I think that it maybe speaks well of Matt O'Reilly that he's done such a, a good job of uh, of going into the six and and fulfilling that role. Also, uh, shout out to CCV for taking in the captaincy and yeah. keeping things moving. But I think, um, yeah, going forward, I mean... Also, a well-rested uh, Callum McGregor. I mean, I think that even though he's almost consistently our best player or one of our best players, I think there was some slightly untidy matches that he was having at the start of the season. And he is somebody that is, uh, he he seems to, he needs to play football and he wants to play football all the time and quite often does. But um, I think that maybe an enforced rest, uh, he'll be champing at the bit to get in, back into it. Uh, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing him back because also it means we can uh, bring out the full mid, all, all our midfield options and start getting things back into the shape that we like it. So. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't really thought of a fully rested Cal McGregor. That is something tantalizing um yeah just i just want to highlight the the lee griffith stuff um he's been questioned by police uh all around gambling and sport Uh, him and paul mcgowan from dundee it's his fall from grace i guess has been very swift and quite sad yeah it's it's got the whiff of tragedy about it and uh, reading about how they conducted it, it I mean, not to def- defend them, uh, but I do think there was a certain element of uh, maybe victimising them a bit. You know, it seemed like a very public, deliberate, humiliating yeah. arrest. And um, I, I can't help but feel that that was deliberate because it was released without charge. And it's just like, mm, okay, so you've got this huge pantomime. And then, uh, but, yeah, a very sad character. Uh, obviously, somebody that's got a lot of problems, um, and forever it will be, you know, the papers love to have ex Celtic star and yeah, pickle, you know. So, uh, yeah, but it, it, yeah, you can't help but feel a little bit sorry for him. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. Um, yeah, moving swiftly on. Ra- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. Uh, moving swiftly on. Rangers are weird, eh? Fucking hell. Have you seen all the, the stuff about Beale and going to, he's so happy to wear a suit again? And I saw someone mentioned, so like there was a whole big thing about Beale saying, We're go- I'm going to wear suits and all that. And someone in the comment said, maybe all the fans should wear suits. Uh <laughs> Instead of paying money, instead of paying money for like uh, a forty, fifty pound strip, we should all wear suits. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, there's so many jokes that are just unbroadcastable yeah. that just come to mind with this stuff. Um, I mean, let's just hope it's a lunatic fringe that's just like that because it's just. I mean, come on. I mean, I know you love to wear suits and walk about, guys, but. Uh, 
You don't have to do it twenty four seven. What I just is they're just weird, man. Like suits and brogues and and all that, and I couldn't give a shit. I mean, we we talked about this briefly on the um on the Cynic Live yesterday, but I really couldn't care water manager wore like Ange Postacoglu could wear a bikini on the on the on the side of the pitch and if we won I wouldn't really care you know so um yeah it's just just there's weird guys I, weird. I mean yeah I mean I, I the thing is I'm not like averse to a manager being sartorial ele, sartorially elegant and um and being dapper um and it's sometimes it's better there's some there's some uh managers who go for the sort of the tight the super tight jeans way beyond yeah, jesse uh, marsh being an example well that was okay. maybe yeah especially right. like you're celebrating legs akimbo and just like <laughs> why one of these days we're going to see a wee bit more than we, we we bargained for jesse um so but yeah it's just it's just that kind of it's also kind of like kind of something militaristic about it where you know like we're going to get the players in suits and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it smacks of, you know, the, yeah, it's, it's colonialism. Odd. It's like a it's weird odd. colonial yeah. empiristic. I don't know. Anyway, just weird. Right. Uh, I've got a quick discussion point before we talk about the world cup. Um, Mark Wilson was on a super scoreboard and I thought it was quite a funny bit where he basically talks about, um, what do you call him? A... Edson Braffide, uh, who was at Celtic January 2010, um, brought under Tony Mowbray, played 10 games for Celtic. He was honking, but then eventually was in the World Cup final. Um, playing in a World Cup final does not make you a world beater. Uh, this is a quote from Mark Wilson. He just wasn't a nice person. He did he had decent ability, but see when he came, he just kept trying to nutmeg people in training, not taking it seriously. <laughs> uh, he was a left back. Every time he got the ball, he would roll his studs over it and tie someone in and try to nutmeg them. It's just weird, man. He just kept losing the ball, and then he would moan that he wasn't getting played. Anyway, don't get me started. I just thought that was quite a funny kind of point, and it wanted to, it led me into uh, just a quick discussion point. What player that everyone loved did you like or sorry or dislike so has there been a player that has been universally adored or oh, and vice versa um that you have or haven't taken to just thoughts call I, I well i mean universally adored is almost impossible within our support apart from a few <laughs> you know yeah that's absolute true. obvious obvious uh exceptions um this is going to sound really safe um but it's I was thinking about it and honestly, um the first name that really kind of cropped up was Decanio. Uh and it's I think history has caught up to that guy uh, and then some. And he was a divisive character, but uh, I think and for people that weren't there at the time, he was there was a lot of part of the sport that were absolutely delighted uh when we signed Decanio and it was a statement of intent and he what he, he could be a very sort of uh, exciting player, but um, having grown up in the eighties, and he 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 brought a kind of arrogant, kind of and sort of slightly ridiculous theatricality that I didn't associate with Celtic. And they had the song, you know, it's like if it goes like a bowman, it's not Andy, it's the Kenny. Uh, and I was just like, oh, but he's he's just a 
he's a whiny baby. Don't like him. Uh, so I, I definitely had sort of a feel, but, but that, that sounds like I'm just trying to score points because he, he, he <laughs> he's, just, a fascist. he's a fascist. <laughs> he's proper fash, but, and I'm not saying no, but just like, oh, that guy's a wrong and he's, uh, he's gonna, he, he likes Benito Mussolini in this, uh, in the same way that, you know, Gene Brody liked <laughs> Mussolini, but, um, yeah, but I, I, it was the kind of the theatrical, you know, that he was like a sort of, I think we we now see it all the time in football, uh, like people that sort of, you know, when somebody gets minorly fouled and they they roll like a car and like a Hollywood car, you know, it's like flips over. He was a kind of predecessor of that kind of thing. And it always annoyed me. So, but. A safe, a safe, a safe answer. Safe answer. Uh, yeah. Um, is there anyone that everyone kind of had issues with or what got for Tony Ralston. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> TR, big TR. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, I think that I, one of the things that I think I'm quite a forgiving supporter in a lot of ways, like, I'm, it, and it's not just with football, like, um, it's like with music. If I like a band and they release a record that I'm not uh, not particularly jazzed on, but they're like a real favorite band, and I'll, I'll I'll stick with that until I'm you know I'm just you know I'm going to get into this. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I want I want it to be good. I want them to be good. I want to, uh, and it's a selfish impulse as well. I want to be entertained and 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 uh, enriched. So uh, I tend to be. Uh, quite forgiving of people and uh, I, listeners. The the Ralston bit is a bit of a bit, but it also comes from a kind of deep sort of uh, uh, fondness. And but if he ever comes out as a fascist, then uh, it's all over, Tony. So you just what you just watch yourself. Watch it. Watch watch what YouTube videos you're watching, right? Um, for me, uh, someone I I really loved it kind of split opinion was Scott McDonald. I know there's a lot of people who... Skippy. Skippy. A lot of people liked him. I, I, a lot of people liked him and a lot of people really disliked him. Uh, I loved him. I, I, Scott McDonald, I think, was really, really great. A, a massive moan, but that's fine. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah, and someone who... I'm just trying to think. Someone who everyone universally loved that I didn't have a lot of love for. Um, ah, there's some names in there. But we'll, I think we might leave that for another time. <laughs> That's a whole podcast That's right there. That's a whole podcast in itself. Uh, but yeah, I just thought that was quite <clears throat> that was quite funny, quite an interesting point. Um, the World Cup. Uh, thoughts on some recent games? Obviously, the games yesterday were very entertaining. Japan beating Spain. Uh, Germany getting knocked out. Um, what's your kind of thoughts on the World Cup so far? Have you been enjoying it? Um, yeah. Regardless of the uh, of all the kind of the topics around it. Yeah, if we're just talking about it, and if we, as everybody wants us to concentrate just in the football, um, so we will just for the purposes of this segment. Um, I have rather enjoyed it. I think I've enjoyed this more than some World Cups in, in recent years. Um, I think that because a lot of people were complaining about there was like a lot of nil nils, but I think there's been a lot of kind of good football played and a lot of. Uh, I like the fact that African nations are. This is the the best World Cup ever, I think, points-wise. I think, uh, the, the I don't know if the tally went up or will go up, but it was at 21 points and the previous best was 15. Great. Um, and we were always sort of talking about 
the sort of emergence of the, the African nations doing well in the World Cup. So it's good to see that actually getting some traction. And also, like, Senegal were my kind of outsider tip. And even without, I didn't know Manny was uh, was going to miss the whole tournament. And that was a real a real blow. But the fact that they're, they're doing well and putting in good performances, playing good football, is great. Um, and virtually all the conclusions of the groups have had crazy... You drama. know, drama. So, uh, and also, I love, I just love the fact that having a Celtic player guarantees you a spot in the final 16. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's insane. Um, four Celtic players, uh, as we know, are there. Uh, CCV with the USA, um, Japan, we had our good friend Maida, <clears throat> Croatia, obviously, JJ and Australia, uh, Moy, Moy, Elian, I see, Jesus Christ, um, Erin Moy, um, CCV was excellent for for the USA against Iran. A real power show. Did you enjoy watching them dominate life? Yeah, I was I was really pleased to see him getting us getting a start. And uh, I felt there was just he seems just cool as ice. You know, he's just a, a, it's he didn't seem phased at all. And you do wonder, you know, just getting dropped in in a very important game. You know, the last game of the group when you're starting. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought he was excellent, and the the uh, the the appeals for the penalty at the end are the most most desperate thing I've ever seen. Yeah, um, so I was delighted that I mean, I, anything can happen in these situations, I suppose, and I'm really really glad it didn't happen because it would have it would have been a sort of a, an unfair blot on his copybook, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that the USA manager said that one of the reasons that we brought him in. Um, for that game was that he's just to playing against low blocks and he's just to kind of you know that was the that's what the expectation was and um, it's just interesting nice we kind of tip bit we insight so hopefully the USA are playing uh, Holland uh, or the Netherlands tomorrow so hopefully he gets a start there Japan obviously beat Spain yesterday um, Maeda I mean the debate over whether that ball was fully out or not probably will rage on and on and oh. you know FIFA have said that you know, it's it definitely wasn't out, but they've not really mm. released a confirmation pick. What's your thoughts? Uh, well, my main thing was that uh, Graham Souness, <laughs> like, was was the pundit on the ITV because I was at my folks. I was watching it on TV just normally, so I broke my illegal stream rules. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, but he was just apoplectic about this and he just wouldn't let it go and he just kept going and I'm just like listen I mean there's got to, it's there's got to be a point where okay they didn't they haven't released this thing and he was like making out there's something untoward going on I mean really who is who's to gain from some elaborate cover-up to get Japan through to the fight you know I, I just don't see it and there's the goal line technology along with like the chip and the ball and all the rest of it and I can, we were saying there's no possible way. And I can, I can imagine a computer being able to see that the full circumference of the ball isn't over the line. And, uh, that, you know, there wasn't, an, I couldn't see a blade of grass between the ball. And I personally like, it's, the decision is made. This happens every World Cup. Um, 
it's like every time you watch sports scene and it's just like, oh, let's talk endlessly about this slightly controversial decision rather than anything edify- edifying. Yeah. Um, it, it's, so. it, it's funny because uh, Claire messaged me and she said, because um, she was watching the game and we were recording, <clears throat> and she messaged to say, like on WhatsApp, um, it's quite funny to me as someone who watches a lot of tennis how people are losing their minds over the aerial view of the ball being over the line. Um just because of like Hawkeye and all that, and she watches a lot mm. of tennis. So, yeah. Um, some breaking news, Colin. Oh, exciting! Celtic have confirmed former CEO Peter Lawwell will return to the club as non-executive chairman on January the first, twenty twenty-three. Oh, just, just, just excuse me a minute while I pick my jaw off the floor. <laughs> um, <laughs> not exactly surprised, but what's your thoughts? I think we all knew it was coming. I mean, uh, and it's the sort of, it's the outcome you don't want because of all the positive, you know, progress that we're talking about. Uh, and in the background, it seems as it ever was. And yeah, it's, it's, it just makes you worry for the future a wee bit because there's obviously no real kind of interest in fundamental change and you won't get any of it with with these appointments happening you know yeah predictably yeah i mean i think for me you know this is all thing you know nicholson was <clears throat> lowell's man and now basically lowell's going to be there breathing over his shoulder and i don't people can say no that's not how it's going to be that's how it will be i, I can i can foresee it what is mm. the point we live in celtic are swimming in such a small pool like of it's just i'm not surprised at all yeah and uh, you know, and when you think about uh, if we're talking about modernising uh, and going along with the sort of pace of the world, and uh, diversity has to be a part of that, and it isn't just that you know that uh, you're never going to get diversity if it's just going to be the same old white guys, um, and you know the equivalent of the old school tie. It's just yeah, it's just really predictable and depressing. Yeah, absolutely, bastard. Anyway. Let's say uh, let's try and stay positive. Um, I, I just put quickly put here: Does some of the results from the World Cup give you hope? Are you Celtic in Europe, small countries versus big, or is it just the World Cups, just a different kettle of fish? Um, I I think that hard to compare. Uh, but I am the thing that I think is good about it is that we've got players there that are getting more experience but how long they will stay with the club i don't know yeah um but i don't i don't i don't think it's necessarily comparable to because when you watch the interesting thing for me is when you watch the national sides playing and then you see sort of certain big stars who work really well in certain teams and and have really been completely anonymous in this tournament like De de bruyne like sun like you know, people and you're like if you take them out of their particular club mechanisms, it's not necessarily going to to work for them. Um, so I think club and country are very different things, and yeah. I don't know if we can extrapolate too much from it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, a question from Paul McGinley: Do you think Celtic can cope with the absence of our World Cup players over the first few games upon return? Our first game is against uh, Aberdeen at Pataudry. Um What's your kind of thoughts? Because obviously you've got Juranovic and Juranovic and Maeda are up against each other, so one of them is guaranteed to be into the quarterfinals. Um, it's Australia versus Argentina. Um, 
that really, you know, if it was any other World Cup, you'd say, well, Argentina will go through, but you just kind of don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Holland versus USA tomorrow. Out of those players, who would you like back as quickly as possible, firstly? Uh, I think the biggest miss is CCV. Um, yeah. Because I think that the the sort of defence is just so much better with him in there. And we've had such a kind of issue with centre-backs and all the kind of constant sort of uh, rotations in and out. Uh, so, um, but I also think that the USA have probably got a fairly good chance of of getting, because I've not been absolutely wowed by the Netherlands performances. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to get Calmac back, uh, especially in, you know, because we need, we need a captain that's used to a bit of captaincy, but also um, just with, you know, just to shore it up, because, I mean, there are some important players. and uh, But uh, I think the rotations have been working better for us recently as well, so maybe we're a bit more prepared for it than we might have been at other times. I don't know. Like, we had, you know, there was last season and there was a lot of rotation and it didn't work. And just recently, it seems like the rotations are working out okay, and we're finding ways to win games. And um, and maybe this in this little run just before the the window opens, like like Yakimakis will be absolutely trying to prove that he's worth ten million, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so we'll we'll we won't miss Maida so much. But um, and we've got a good old. Tony Ralston giving him a good run out. He's been doing well domestically. He's a good lad, not a fascist. And uh <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> so yeah, I I think we've got the tools to get get through. Uh but out of the players that I want back, um it'd be CCV. I think uh let's let's let Moy have a good time. Enjoy his Just relax, chill out, brother. Don't yeah. don't don't worry coming back. Just take your time. <laughs> um yeah, a great question from Paul. Um this weekend Celtic FC women are playing Dundee United, um ten past four on Sunday at the Excelsior Stadium. And tomorrow Celtic B take on Edinburgh University again at the Excelsior. That's a, a three PM kickoff on a Saturday. So check both of them out. From a cynic point of view, we have uh, the one-on-one interview podcast with uh, Jonathan Burns, which was recorded this week, uh, which I had an absolute joy recording it. So that will be dropping tomorrow at midday. And then on Sunday, we've got Transfer Committee Unfiltered. Um, Graham, Christian and Kieran Devlin, um, the first of a couple of Transfer Committee podcasts we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks and months. Um, so check that out. Should be great. Lots of insight from Kieran about his time at The Athletic and dealing with Celtic as a club. Uh, this has been fantastic, Colin. Let's finish on fact or fiction. I ask two questions and you state if they are fact or fiction and why. I'm going to change the first question because I've just realised one of them. Um, the first question was one Celtic player will be involved in a World Cup quarterfinal game that's guaranteed so that's well I was going to be I was going to be snide and and say that but then I thought in the wording of the question it could be like okay if Japan goes through and beat Croatia Maida has not been a stick on and depending on the, and the manager seems a wee bit of a basket case yes so my, he could drop Maeda for the last 16. Um, so 
you know, like, like, it's, not, it's, not as, it's not as guaranteed as all that. One Celtic player will be involved in the World Cup uh, later stages, latter stages, semi-final. Fact or fiction? Fact. Fact. They'll all, they'll all get through. Jesus. Even, <laughs> Even Croatia and Japan, and they're playing each other. How? Gee, that's, that's going to be... It's going to be so exciting. It's going to be a World Cup first. Um, great, <laughs> great stuff. Um, love it. Second question. Juranovic will be with Celtic after the window closes in January. Fact or fiction? Uh, I'm going to say fiction. And it pains me to say, say it, but I think that it's... I think we've we've all been kind of stealing ourselves for this yeah. as it's an inev- inevitability. Uh, and I think the fact that Croatia are... I think he's been playing well. Um, he's been, you know, not as anonymous as you might want to want him to be if you want to hang on to him after a World Cup. I think he's ambitious. I think he's of the age where he's uh, probably got one big move left in him. Yeah. And I think he'll be wanting to get on with it. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I, d- I think we might have to, that might be another um, another thing that Angie's been trying to prepare us for. Yes, interesting. Uh, Colin, this has been an absolute delight. Um, thank you for getting involved with the weekend update. Uh, big plans this weekend, this birthday? Well, I think we're talking about maybe going to see the Banshees of Inishirin, uh this afternoon. Oh, lovely. Uh, if that's how you say it, which uh, is meant to be... You know, it doesn't sound like the kind of film that you need to see in the cinema, but um, it's also like the best thing on. Because we, we were sort of... The, um, the new Knives Out, was, oh yeah, yeah, that looks great. But it, but it, it, it was only in the cinemas for a week or something because it's going to be in Netflix. That was a wee bit annoying. Oh, that is but, annoying. But fortunately, Banshee's of Inishina is, is shown down at our local uh, cinema, and then we're going to Whistler in the Green for some oysters and a nice dark beer, hopefully. Great. So, hey, and uh, yeah, so just quite modest, just uh, just kind of keeping it local, and then there's like the festive. Party season starts tomorrow. We've got a couple of parties to attend, and uh, but then I'm planning on just sitting in my pants and playing Vampire Survivors all through Sunday. Um, Great stuff! A very, a very, uh, a very fun video game. Which um, I don't play video games as much as I used to do, obviously. But uh, I picked this up and um, I kind of got to grips with it. And I looked at the clock. It was like three in the morning. I was like, oh my god, that hasn't happened since Sonic Two. Sonic Two, uh, I love it. I, com- anyway, I, com- so. I, I completed that, so no bother. Uh, listen, Colin, an absolute pleasure. Plenty of stuff coming up on the Cynic uh, this weekend and beyond. Uh, thank you very much for getting involved. I'm Chris Galler. He's Colin Kearney. This has been the weekend update, and we'll speak to you down the road. Hey.